The football season is almost here. This is Warren Sharp, and here at Sharp Football Analysis, there is no dead season. We've been working literally for months writing our 2022 football preview, and I will promise you this. This book is the fastest way for you to get smart for the upcoming season, period. I'm going to give you $5 off right now that's not offered anywhere else to use on your copy. This book is over 550 pages, full color, and previews all 32 NFL teams. It's got comprehensive fantasy football analysis. It's got every single line and total for every single game that's going to be played this upcoming season all the way through to week 18. It's got forecasted win totals. It's got betting advice. It's got predictions for the upcoming season and so much more. We're talking deep dives into all 32 teams and much, much more. There is simply nothing like this preview in the industry, and I can promise you that. So order your copy right now at sharpfootballanalysis.com and use coupon code ANGLES. That is A-N-G-L-E-S. Use coupon code ANGLES, and you will save $5 off your price. Go over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and pick up your copy today. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. We go Rich on the eve of the start of of the preseason. There will be actual football, kind of. Like yeah. there will people people will be playing football. Which people are like it we don't really know. Um, but so we're here on on Thursday. We got what uh Giants and Patriots and then Titans and Ravens will be going tonight. If you are listening to this on Thursday, uh, if you are listening to this after that, you've you know already seen, and then there's a pretty full slate uh, Friday and into the weekend. So here we go. Eve of uh, the preseason really kicking off. So how are we feeling today? Feeling good. I mean, we're here. I mean, you know, there's a point in the off season where you're like, Oh, like, you know, uh, I, I want the off season to keep going. You know, it's nice having like this, you know, it's that downtime. We've been putting a lot of work in and everything. You know, obviously we did the book we've been, we've put up a ton of content on the site, but it's different when there's like no games going on. And then you hit a point where it's like this last three weeks where you've got all this preseason stuff going on and you're like, all right, now I just want the season to start. And that's where I am now. So that, that's kind of the mode I'm in now. And we've got some fun stuff, like you said, tonight in the full slate this weekend. I mean, the Ravens have won 20 straight preseason games in a row. Like, it's kind of fun to, like, see if they can keep that streak going. Uh, you know, they, they actually legitimately care about the preseason, although Lamar's not playing tonight. But, you know, we get to watch Malik Willis. I'm ex- actually excited to watch Malik Willis and see how he does, you know, tonight. Is, is this a Malik Willis-Tyler Huntley game? Like, is, is that what we're getting? Like, this, this is made for the podcast. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm here for it. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, all the rookie quarterbacks I'm excited to see because, you know, no one went high except for Pickett. And by all accounts, he's been a nightmare in preseason. And we can actually talk about that and, you know, as a lead into what we're going to talk about on the show. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see all these guys play because this was handled as one of the worst quarterback draft classes, maybe of all time, but definitely of the modern era. So at following a year where we had maybe the most illustrious quarterback class and they didn't really pan out in year one and you wrote an article on this on the site. So I'm excited to see what these guys do in the preseason. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun because we'll, you know, we'll see more of these guys because they are all going to be backups, maybe aside from Pickett, but it does seem like Pickett uh, is not, uh, not doing too well in that quarterback competition, which 
uh, it seems like all of Pittsburgh's quarter. Like, we kind of figured Pittsburgh couldn't really get much worse, uh, but that uh, that might have been the case. And the we can we can say like it can always be worse, right? Like, I think we like say that a lot. Like it can't be worse than you know whatever, but it, it apparently can um, because between a, a Mitchell Trubisky and and Mason Rudolph is apparently in the quarterback competition and, and pick it there. Like no one is running away. And that's, that's a little concerning to me. Yeah. He's, he's Mason Rudolph's definitely not in competition here. I, I don't I mean, he shouldn't be, <laughs> but like, it doesn't seem like anyone's like kicking him out. And, you know, I, I feel bad because, you know, Pickett was a guy we had talked about throughout the process was, you know, Hey, this is, you know, whoever's taking him in the first round, like good luck. Like it's, you know, the, the, all these data points kind of point to, he's going to be an uphill battle of, of investment. And so far it's playing out that way, but you don't want to see a first round pick investment, just like not play either. And th- that really doesn't happen in today's NFL. Like you have to be a team that competes in a win loss record column to have a guy that's taking the first round, not play. And are the Steelers going to be one of those teams? They could be. I mean, this is a team that went 500 with Rudolph and Duck Hodges a couple years ago. Like Tomlin, it, that team typically has alligator blood. Like they don't lay down and die. Uh, but like Trubisky is, a, you know, you look at what he's done since he's been in the NFL. He's been, you know, what, uh, 37th in, in completion rate, you know, 26 in yards for pass temp. Like it's, it's tough, man. It's a tough sell. And by all accounts, he struggled too. So it's like, yeah, this all kind of adds up. Like, it, like, of course, you got Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's one of these weird spaces with the Steelers uh, right now. And they've gotten all, you know, George Pickens is getting getting a ton of steam too during camp. But Deontay Johnson hasn't done anything. Like, he's hardly worked, I saw. So it's like, you've got all these weird kind of like nuances going on in the preseason that we'll actually see when the games start, though, like the pecking order for these players, right? When do they get in? What situations do they play in? Who's actually playing? In uh, granted, we're not going to see probably Deontay Johnson play week one of the preseason, or maybe not at all the entire preseason. But where does Pickens get in when Deontay Johnson's suiting up? Right, like if they're going in, if there's two wide receivers on the field, is he one of them? Is it does he only come in when they play three wide receivers and Chase Claypool clicks in the slot? This is all information we'll get over the course of the preseason. Maybe like if these guys even play and that's, that's the thing, like we're, we're getting more and more where, uh, you know, some of these teams just aren't going to play starters at all. Um, and then we're, we're getting somewhere like some starters are going to play. Some aren't, I think we were just talking about with, with the Colts, like Matt Ryan's going to play, but we don't know if any, like the receivers are going to play. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of up in the air. So we're trying to take what we can here. Uh, Daniel Jones is starting tonight, but none of the top three receivers are playing. Right. Yeah, which is kind of like what Daniel Jones is like. That's what the Giants <laughs> have looked like for the past like two years. So it doesn't really matter. Um, and like playing against no Patriots defensive starters. So I mean, how um, can you justify playing Saquon Barkley in the preseason? I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess he just kind of you know got to got to get some reps. Like he hasn't played, I think, in the preseason like since his first preseason game. Um, so if, yeah. if I got my running back, my running backs are not touching the field in preseason. Yeah. I, you can't I, have a JK Dobbins situation. Like there's no way. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't do that either, but, uh, but I don't know. Um, so that's, that's kind of, you know, what, what we're going to talk about on the show here is kind of, we're, we've been getting all these training camp reports, right? We, 
we're just sitting on on our Peters all day. The Twitter is is coming up. We see all the training camp reports. Um, you know, we we're getting the play by play. We're getting you know all everything that that's coming out. But there, there's a lot of stuff to to sift through, and sometimes like we. You know these training camp reports are are something that is going to what we are going to see in the season, and then sometimes they're just like things that happen in training camp and, and don't really, uh, you know, progress in, into the regular season. And once the regular season happens, like we get to next training camp, and we're like, oh, remember those funny reports last year where like this guy was lighting it up, and then they didn't see the field. So we're gonna go through some some things that you know have been coming up throughout training camp and see if we're like kind of buying or, or selling whether it's like actually going to make an impact uh in the regular season so let's start off with i think maybe like the biggest steady drumbeat of of training camp this year and that has been romeo dobbs uh in green bay uh it, so I, I think like every year we kind of get like a either a rookie receiver or like just kind of in an unheralded receiver like down a depth chart that's like lighting up training camp Mm -hmm. um like we we get that from from someone every year but i think the difference here and i think why dobbs has been you know it's been illuminated so much is because like this isn't really like a wide receiver four who's just really lighting it up in training camp like the packers need someone to do that so it kind of does make sense uh if like Dobbs could be that guy because you know Christian Watson has been I think in and out um you know there's you know they lost Devontae Adams there's there really is no receiver competition to keep Dobbs down if this does translate into the regular season so uh from what we're seeing right now are you buying or selling Dobbs as like an actual you know an impact guy as we head into the regular season I mean, this one is tricky because, like you said, the the door is open. Like when you look at this depth chart uh, and then you look at just way this uh, Packers team has lost the amount of like deep targets that they had. You know, you lose Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You lose Devontae Adams. uh, You have Alan Lazard in place, but, you know, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, those guys aren't taking on like those types of targets. Sammy Watkins isn't even taking on those types of targets right now. So they trade up for Christian Watson, who looked a lot like Marcus Valdez-Scantling, you know, uh, as a replacement, but he hasn't played. He had, knee, he had off-season knee surgery and he hasn't done anything. Yeah. So that opened the door for kind of Dobbs' play. Now, when Watson comes back, if and when that is, does he immediately, like, is he behind or does the draft capital kind of prevail and he still gets kind of gets like a, an open crack here? that's kind of like what still is up in the air because we've seen guys like Kembrell Tompkins, uh, you know, a few years ago, if everyone remembers Kembrell Tompkins, you know, kind of blowing it up in the preseason. Marquez Callaway last year had a yeah. gigantic preseason. Uh, and these are guys like, you know, in the fantasy circles, we know because they, they end up climbing, they end up making, and then we got nothing out of those guys. Really, Callaway actually wasn't really his fault. He led the Saints in receiving touchdowns, but it's just the team situation was so bad. Right. Um, but yeah, Dobbs is interesting though because he is a guy. You know, he's six, he's he's six two, two hundred pounds. He was a vertical guy. He played in that vertical offense at Nevada with Carson Strong. Um, you know, he was eleventh in this draft class in you know rate of uh, deep targets. Uh, so he, that's kind of his game. So he can kind of play that contested catch game. He's also a guy that doesn't really he doesn't create a lot. Uh, you know, of separation. He didn't at least when I watched. My opinion uh, didn't really do a lot at the Senior Bowl either. Um, when he faced up in competition. So I'm curious to see how he goes. But if, if this guy catches a touchdown though this weekend or the next weekend, like it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see. Him and Isaiah Pacheco are gonna be the two guys. Like if they do anything this weekend or the next couple weekends, like it's because they're already climbing without anything happening on the real field yet. 
Yeah, and like that's that's the thing oh, with that because like we've we've kind of I mean we've been able to see him go against you know the the limited video that we get right like we aren't usually getting like team period uh, type of videos and you know we're we're, yeah, yeah. we're seeing him like he had uh, during the family night was like able to go against what was he going against Eric Stokes Eric so Stokes. like not a, not a bad cornerback right so he's going against pretty good competition so we're seeing that you know he was you know an interesting guy at, at Nevada I think he like he had a better 2020 season because I remember like looking mm-hmm. at the the 2020 class and like every every time I went into like look at what some of these um like the receivers were doing like Dobbs was coming up in like the top of uh uh the top of leaderboards like every time I looked and it wasn't as productive in 2021 but still like it is a guy who can get deep and like leads in you know targets and in yards on go routes and things like that which is a a piece that like you said the Packers do need and they lost that so um you know for a fourth round pick was was very interesting um and and it's not totally surprising that he's you know getting some run here in in training camp so like i'm i'm definitely not i wouldn't be surprised if he is you know a regular part of the rotation and you know again like we kind of said it's because the the packers need somebody um and and so that's the, the door is open there so i think that's that's what makes dobbs more interesting than like what the normal uh, like like the Kimbrel Topkins, right? Like he still had to, you know, make his way into the rotation, um, and so, but but Dobbs Dobbs is kind of is there, and and because he is getting the reps, right? Like you said with with Watson, like whether you know that happens, I think like having that you know timing and and chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, I think is is a pretty big deal. Uh, so I think like even with the the slight draft capital difference there, like that probably does you put Dobbs, you know, in a position where he can kind of take off early. And, and not to, to make this, you know, because Christian Watson hasn't been able to play, but Christian Watson's in a, a pretty significant bucket of guys that have not really worked out in the NFL. So non-Power 5, non-early declare wide receivers drafted in the second round since 2011 have been Anthony Miller, Zay Jones, Aaron Dobson, Titus Young, Andy Isabella, Dwayne Eskridge, Brian Quick, and now Christian Watson. So, like, him conceding ground already, like, out of the box. Like, he's already in a bucket that's not very flattering. So, he needs to get back on the field. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a not great company uh, to have. Um, But, yeah, interested to see, like, what that is going to look like. So, let's let's move on to uh, another receiver who – I think is potentially could be if we go by reports going for a, a little breakout season. I think we'll, we'll do like a, a quarterback uh, wide receiver combo here. Uh, I know you talked uh, with Matt Harmon um, was a couple last, last week uh, at this point uh, on the podcast and Brandon Ayuk. And this is a guy who's been, you know, another steady drumbeat uh, looking, you know, he got that time when Debo Samuel wasn't practicing because of the contract. So he was, you know, the de facto number one. Um, he's looking pretty good uh, with Trey Lance. So are uh, we buying uh, the, the Brandon Ayuk hype here? I mean, from a real football stance, uh, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brandon Ayuk's been a, a good player when he's played when he's been on the football field. Remember last year, it wasn't like the start of the season had anything to do with his play. He was not getting snaps. You know, I mean, through through six games, he had played just two thirds of the team snaps, and then he had nine he had nine catches. You know, last year, 
uh, which is wild through six games. And, you know, he got out of kind of the whatever doghouse he was in, uh, whether he got over the hamstring injury he had in preseason, whatever it was, whatever was the case. Then we saw when he was back on the field full time, a productive player right again. Yeah. Uh, the only thing with him, you know, is like, you know, translated property to production and that's me putting back on like the fantasy hat but it is a a, a thorn for I think you know guys like Debo Samuel and George Kittle I mean the 49ers last year were 31st in the NFL in pass attempts per game and that was with a quarter a quarterback that was not mobile you know and Jimmy Garoppolo so I mean how much more pass volume is is it going to rise or is it can even potentially shrink still on a per game basis um Debo was a guy that like we had these like we had a season with Debo where it was like a clean split right he was playing his alpha wide receiver and then he was in the they are quote Debo role which we've talked to nauseam about this show but you know when he was done that front half split Ayuk wasn't really playing and Kittle was hurt so like how does like everything like how does the pie divvy up now in this offense if it's potentially as to be blast in the NFL and pass attempts per game as in the range of outcomes. Uh, so yeah, how much production do we get? How much uh, reps does Danny Gray get? A guy that they add to the fold too, you know, a guy that fits Trey Lance's play style a lot. Cause when you, you wrote about it just in your article this week, the discrepancy of throws downfield on Lance's limited sample versus Garoppolo. And if they're going to push the ball downfield, I think Danny Gray fits that to a T too, what they're going to do. So uh, I think from a 49ers like offensive schematic stance, it's great. I, I buy Ayuk being a productive NFL player uh, from like a fantasy stance and production stance. Like it's a very muddy situation. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's kind of, you know, some of the, um, you know, the, the things we you have to look for. Like there's definitely a, a big difference between uh, fantasy, uh, you know, break out there and, and guys who can actually have a, you know, a pretty good role. That's kind of why I am, end up being bad at fantasy more often than not because i'm like oh this guy's a good football player uh, and then uh and not not a great not a great fantasy asset um and that's the it's kind of the hole i dig myself into uh, a lot but uh, <laughs> i'm excited we- to find your guy this year i mean listen kendrick Bourne was, was a dynamo so I'm, I'm curious to find your guy this year yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not totally sure who who my guy is is going to be this year. It might still be Kendrick Port, who like number one in DVOA last year uh, for receiving. I think we we need to we need to harp on that a little bit more. Um, we will get to uh, the Patriots in a little bit. Um, so yeah, you thing is really interesting because, like you said uh, in the article I was writing about, uh, you know, year two guys, uh, the year two quarterbacks, and what they might need to do to like kind of take that leap. Uh, and yeah, it's just going the 49ers offense is, is going to look different. Like there's, there's no way around that. It's going to be a Shanahan system. Uh, but the reason you brought Trey Lance in is because he mm-hmm. has the bigger arm can throw deep a little more, um, you know, through deep significantly more, but um, also had one of the highest rates of intermediate passes. But what is interesting is like Jimmy Garoppolo also did. Um, and I think like that's, that's a piece that could, you know, look a little bit uh, the same as, as it did between the two quarterbacks. And Brandon Ayuk was like one of the most, uh, targeted receivers in the intermediate area last year and had one of the highest like percentages of his routes that like ended up in the intermediate area of like 11 to 19 air yards and, and that is a very valuable area of the field so that is really a place where I think like he can continue to win there and I think like Lance is going to find him a lot and he said like digging into Lance more like I like he does not have to be a great quarterback for this offense to be really good um, and I think you like, you can kind of see that in the, just like the difference between how, how many passes they completed last year, right? Garoppolo was in, you know, the, the high sixties and, uh, and Lance was, was in the fifties. And, and one of the, 
um, like lowest completion percentage, but their EPA per dropback was like almost identical. Lance, I think, also actually had like higher EPA per dropback just because of the types of plays uh, he was able to do. So I think Brandon Ayuk is definitely going to be a, a benefactor of that. And we talked last year how they, uh, the 49ers were, you know, sifting into some you know, 11 personnel uh, a little more, but they were still using it as some of their, you know, heavier packages because, you know, uh, Juwan Jen- Jennings uh, was a guy who was able to, you know, kind of play that like pseudo tight end role. So they were still able to do some like 12 uh, personnel type of stuff with three wide receivers on the field. So I think we're just going to see a lot more from the San Francisco offense. And I think really everyone stands to benefit um, or from this change. So I like, I wouldn't be surprised if any piece of that offense uh, individually is able to take off. So I'm pretty high on, on what the 49ers can do this year. Yeah, I mean, to me, the 49ers, the big things to me is comes down to like, the state of that offensive line. We've seen that be a repeated note in camp so far. Yeah. We'll see how it is in, this, in these games. Uh, you know, basically losing, you know, they, they lose Lycan Tomlinson for agency. Uh, Mike McGlinchey hasn't really, like, lived up to any type of the draft capital. He's been best. He's come back from a significant quad injury. They lose Alex Mack. And by all counts in camp is that, you know, they, they haven't protected Lance at all. Uh, you know, outside of Trent Williams. Uh, so I'm curious to see in those first team reps, you know, how that offensive line is holding up. Because obviously if you have a guy like Lance who maybe has this transition period still that he has to overcome in the NFL. I mean, this guy just has not played a lot of football for the yeah. last few years. Uh, so, you know, if you're, the worst thing you can do is put him behind an offensive line that's just not going to protect, right? Like, so I'm very curious. See, that's my main thing with the 49ers. And then they've got a pretty – you know, rough layout here, but that's what I'm looking at with this offensive. If the offensive line holds up, this thing could be really good. Yeah. And I think like you have them, you know, a, a Jake Brendel, who is a uh, undrafted free agent is uh, in as he's getting the, the starter reps at center right now. Uh, Spencer Burford, um, who is a, Where, where's JC Treader at, man? Where is he anywhere? Like all these, the bucks are losing a center a week at this point. Uh, where JC Treader's hanging out. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Like that, I think that would that would potentially make sense at center. But apparently, it's Spencer Burford, who's uh, the fourth round pick uh, of twenty twenty two, is playing you know pretty well at, at guard. So like those are you know some options that they have, and I like I don't think it's going to be as bad. And you have the mobility of Trey Lance too, which I think is is certainly going to help. Like I think. I'm not as worried about the offensive line for Trey Lance than I would potentially for, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he's trying to get the ball quickly, but there's no, there's no out of structure plays for Garoppolo. Right. And I think Lance can kind of, he'll be able to make, uh, there's going to be some plays where, you know, a a bad offensive line and pressure is definitely going to hurt, but I think because he can create out of structure a little bit, it's not going to be, you know, quite as bad. And I think like the Shanahan system is, it has some easy buttons, right? And I think like we'll see a little more. Only 38% of uh, Lance's passes went between one to 10 air yards last year. And like that is going to be significantly higher uh, this year. Like that's, you're not going to build the offense around that like you would with Garoppolo. But like there are going to be easy options uh, where he's able to, you know, get the ball out quickly and have that that type of, you know, short pass, um, you know, in the offense. And it was something he was like passing up a little bit. And I think that's probably what... Uh, this this second year is going to help him with too uh, is take some of those easier reads, but then you also have the upside on you know some of those deeper passes. So I'm I'm not quite as worried because I think they're just like that's why you kind of have a quarterback like Lance here, and why you know the the more I looked at this, the more it makes sense over like the, the Mac Jones thing we were you know kind of everyone was kind of talking themselves into because it's just like it 
Jones would just kind of be this the same version. Like you have the same problems that you would uh, with with Garoppolo, uh, but Lance I think just like gives you so many more options to kind of to build off of. So that's uh, like I'm I'm really really uh, excited to see what that offense could potentially look like with that on like a, a bigger scale. An offense I am not looking forward to, and and the the reports out of training camp. So this is where we'll get to in New England. And let me pull up. Um, this was. Uh, Greg Bedard on the uh, on Sarah Spain's um, uh, radio show. Um, I've never seen an NFL offense this bad this long into camp. Um, and that was that was from uh, Greg Bedard, who's a long time been a Patriots supporter, but also uh, has you know covered some uh, other teams across the league and has seen some you know bad offenses. I think he listed some afterward, like some offenses that ended up being pretty bad uh, of what he's seen but uh, apparently um oh uh, as we're doing this uh, i think james white just retired um so that also yeah. uh doesn't help but yeah it seems um he had that hip injury yeah yeah he hasn't been able to uh get back on the field um so it, it does that uh very long statement that i'm probably not going to read but i think the uh it looks like the the gist of it is uh he is uh not going to play uh this year yeah so uh, that's another uh hit for this this patriots offense so we like we've, we've touched on this matt patricia and joe judge are like in charge of this offense um and it seems like that's that's not going particularly well which like who could have seen that coming um so uh are we uh are we buying or or selling um the uh the utter chaos of what is the uh patriots offense right now i'm not fully you know the the, the thing is it's you're just never going to get away from that rain cloud that is matt patricia and joe judge helming this thing that's the problem i mean but because this offense it, it was really good last year it was a lot better than people, I think, realized. I mean, they scored on 51% of their drives, that was second in the NFL. The talent is here. There's talent all over. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a decent wide receiver core. You know, the add Devontae Parker, who's a guy that's had separation issues, but he does something that they needed. They didn't have any clashers at the position, at the wide receiver position. Kendrick Bourne, we talked about him, really good player. You had Tyquan Thornton. Uh, you know, and you've got Jacoby Myers, like a great, really solid slot guy. Hunter Henry, good tight end. Johnny Smith, we'll see if he gets some run this year. The offensive line, even the weird Shaq Mason trade, is still got pieces that you like. And then Mac Jones was a really good – he was one of the rookie quarterbacks who was actually good last year. So I still think that there's enough here that, like, this still – I'm not – I don't expect the Patriots to be a bad offense. Uh, so I guess that in a sense I'm selling it, but it's really hard to get out from that just shadow of this thing is getting run by Matt Trisha and Joe Judge. Yeah, I like. I wanted to have like some hope that there like there would be some confidence here. Like I had no no confidence in in what Joe Judge would bring to an offense, right? Because like his idea of an offense was let's hire Jason Garrett. Um, so like, obviously, and, and like, I think the, the weird, I think the possibly the weirdest thing is like, there've been reports that they want to like implement the Shanahan McVeigh style when they want like some of that, like wide zone stuff. And, and you're getting Patricia and judge, uh, as being the guys to do that, which kind of seems insane to me, but like that style of offense seems to make sense to me for like what they could want to do. Like Mac Jones isn't the guy you like want on the move a lot, but I think he could 
you know, work some, some boots and, and stuff. And like that could open up some like short area. Like I, I could see that happening, but for, <laughs> again, for like, I, I can't get past that of like who is in charge of this offense um, and what we're going to see. And like, I just, I don't think that meshes well. Like, I don't think there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of like creativity coming into like getting some of these receivers open. Like Kendrick Bourne was, was very good in like that role that they needed him to play. And like, hopefully that doesn't change, but like, then you have like Taquan Thornton who wasn't like the greatest receiver, right? He's super fast. Um, but like what he does is, is runs downfield really fast. Like, is that something that the Patriots are going to be able to take advantage of? Um, like Mac Jones wasn't necessarily like the greatest deep thrower, um, last year. And that was like, we talked about that a, a bunch while we talked about the Patriots last year that like, there just, there wasn't any explosion, um, in that offense. Um, like he was only 20th in the rate of completions that gained 10 or more yards last year. He was 26th in the rate of completions that picked up a first down, uh, or a touchdown. So like it, it wasn't like super, um, uh, it, it wasn't super uh, explosive. He was, you know, 21st in on target percentage and 26 uh, in catchable percentage on throws uh, more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. So, like, that's that's really where that offense that kind of lacked, right? And that's like when we kind of talked about Trey Lance, where he like he gives you some answers. Um, like, I think there's a, a small margin of error of like what Mac Jones can bring, right? So, like, we've we've talked about this also. Like, if you have a guy who's like so good at yeah, processing and and accuracy, which like Mac Jones is, right? Especially in that short area. And he's he's definitely a plus processor both before and, and after the snap. But like you have to be like Joe Burrow good. Like you have to see that leap that Burrow took in, in that second year um in order for that to to really matter. And I'm not I'm not really sure like that's in the likely range of outcomes uh for what Jones and, and the Patriots are, are going to be this year. One of the really interesting things when I was, you know, writing up uh, the uh, the the year two quarterbacks is one how how infrequently the Patriots used empty last year. Um, it was only like seventy seven point four percent of of Mac Jones dropbacks, which I think was the lowest rate in, in the league. And second, of how bad they were when they actually did. Like you would think with a, a guy like Mac Jones who has the accuracy, has that processing, like spreading teams out in empty, um, it is a way to kind of because there's so many options right and that's the way you can can spread it out both horizontally you can work a little vertical um we kind of talked about how you know the Bengals use that a little bit and that's kind of how they got around a, a bad offensive line is just having giving Burrow so many options spreading out the defense and he was able to kind of you know pick it apart there um uh, the Patriots were not able to do that. Like the, he was getting the ball out like so quickly um, that the the passes just like weren't very effective. So I just think there's there's a lot of things that kind of need to step up in order for like what we saw Mac like Mac Jones had a good rookie year. I I, I don't think like we can argue that but like in order for that to become like a really good second year there's like a couple of things that really need to improve and i'm not sure like the patriots are are in a place where like any of that is really like attainable uh which is going to be rough because especially on the defensive side of the ball like they've lost a lot of uh, pieces there too um you know i like that's still a belichick defense so i'm not i don't think like that's going to be bad but um and I like I'm not confident in, in the pieces they have on offense for them to like build on what the Mac Jones did uh, in year one, and so like I think that's that's 
absolutely a concern for what potentially could be in place for year two. Like I said, it all just comes down. It, it's a bet on those two guys. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I want to talk myself into all the pieces, uh, but you, you're, you're making me bet on Joe judge and Matt Patricia running him out of offense. I mean, no team's had a weirder offseason than the Patriots, I don't think. Uh, This included. You know, I mean, all the moves that they've made are very – you can almost go down the line of everything they've done. I mean, taking Cole Strange in the first round. Uh, They took two undersized cornerbacks, which is kind of where the NFL is, like, transitioning against. And it's – the Shaq Mason trade, it's all all these things, man. Uh, Yeah, it's it's really – it's uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely puzzling. Um, the running backs are good though. Again, I mean, like I said, I can talk about some of the pieces. I, every time I look at the roster, I'm like, oh, these guys are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's kind of the the thing, right? Um, like there there are pieces you you can get excited about. It's just I don't, <laughs> what what is in charge, like. And it's by design too. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, it's tough. So let's, yeah, well, let's we'll see. I mean, I'm always someone, I'm like the one person on the the sharp football team that like thinks, that, you know, that I don't, I tend to not, not like over credit what coordinators are doing. It's about the talent you have. And I think that there's enough talent here, but again, this is the one, like one of those exceptions where I'm like, none of these guys run offense. They've never done it. <laughs> well, what are we doing here? Yeah, and I was um, I was even surprised. I think, uh, you know, the Matt Patricia, and, like if you wanted to talk yourself into it, I was like, all right, Matt Patricia like came up on the offensive side of the ball before he transitioned to, to defense. Um, uh, but apparently I was listening to uh, Greg Bedard uh, again on uh, the Football Outsiders a podcast when they were previewing the Patriots. And he said, uh, like, Joe Judge's, like, stretch as the wide receiver coach for the one year was like also a disaster. Um, and like a lot of people in the building thought so. So uh, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence either. Um, so I mean, inspired confidence in someone like, what, what are we doing here? Like, why could it, why was it so hard to just hire a real office coordinator? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> really do not know, but uh, um, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's move on here. Let's quickly, um, what is your level of concern on, uh, on Matthew Stafford's elbow? Non-zero. I mean, you don't want to see your <laughs> guy. I mean, no one wants to see their quarterback getting handled like a, like a major league pitcher, like a pit, like Clayton Kershaw, right? Like you don't want to see that like happening in the preseason. Yeah. Like, yeah it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where like, it is definitely concerning that he's not throwing but like when he does throw the reports are that like he looks great um and like he's he's doing really well when he's throwing um but that they like do have him on a pitch count that it's probably slower integrating him into the offense than they thought and they've kind of had to rejigger their plan uh a little bit but at the same time it's like matthew stafford who's like has anyone like played with more like severe injuries than Matthew Stafford in the past. I'm like, maybe that's part of, you know, why maybe like some of his production in Detroit wasn't always like where it should have been because he was always playing injured. Um, And that's just kind of like what you get with Matthew Stafford sometimes. Um, But yeah, like it it is, I I would say a little concerning, especially like when the backups are John Wofford, Uh, like 
if you're the, the Rams playing in the NFC West, you probably don't want John Wofford like playing a game or two. Um, but, but it kind of seems like this was part of the plan that the Rams had with Stafford. And like, they didn't want him throwing a whole lot. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. If the concern level, yeah, definitely non-zero, like you know, on a one to 10 scale, I, I got, wouldn't want to go over a five, but like five still seems kind of high. <laughs> I mean, I will say this about the Rams is I don't know if it's just been luck or an actual credit to their medical staff. I think it's, I think they're doing something. Yeah. Right. Well, they are yeah. definitely, if we follow the sports science stuff, cause Brad Holmes has talked about this too, who now is with Detroit. I mean, they are, if you look at like adjusted games lost, like they've been at the top of the league, like consistently. So like they're doing something that at least to get a little bit of edge of keeping guys healthy and on the field. Uh, so I do, if there, if there's going to be one staff, I'm at least going to give the benefit of the doubt. Like this would be a situation where I'm at least going to take it on face value a little bit of what they're selling. But the fact is it still exists. Like it's, that's what I said. It can't be non-zero. Right. And like, there's, there's only so much you can even do like with sports science, right? Like you, you can like yeah. keep, keep muscles and stuff healthy. And like, I think like that's where they've done, like, there's not a lot of Rams like missing games for like hamstring pulls um right so like you you can't really there's as good as sports science can be like you're not really going to you know stop an acl from tearing like if if that's what happens and like it's kind of the same thing with with stafford's elbow right like there's so only so much you can do to prevent that um but yeah it's it sounds like they have a plan it doesn't sound like they're overly concerned which i think is good uh like i'm optimistic that the reports like when he is throwing um, you know, e- even if it's like just in, in seven on sevens, like it, he's throwing quite well. Um, so it's just a, a slow ramp up period. So, um, you know, I guess you can just kind of hope for the best there. Um, if, uh, like if, if you're looking at, at Rams in, in fantasy, like, is, is this a significant impact on, you know, what you'd be buying into there? We've already seen it. Uh, Justin Jefferson has outright flipped Cooper Cup now in general ADP. Uh, I think people are just using it as a tiebreaker, right? At this point, yeah. like they're 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 viewing it as like these two guys are clearly the top two receivers in fantasy. Um, this guy's quarterback is not dealing with an elbow injury. I'm going to take this. Guy. I'm going to take him instead. You've already seen that, and then you know we've seen a little bit of of influx for Allen Robinson. Is is kind of been like people are held off a little bit. He's gotten steamed up. I've promoted Allen Robinson as well. You saw heard Matt Harmon on the show a couple weeks ago. Same thing, but like where he goes is still like in a nice palatable area here. But um, yeah, it's it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, this is a team we, this is how the Rams have built it, man. This is a top heavy unit. Uh, if, if they lose some key pieces here and obviously Matthew Stafford being number one, uh, this thing gets pretty flimsy. Yeah. And that, that's, that's obviously the the concern for, for the Rams here. Um, all right, let's, let's move on to, to another piece that that's been, you know, coming up and, and just this morning, uh, was another, uh, report of, you know, Tony Pollard working as a slot receiver, um, trying to uh, get him and Ezekiel Elliott uh, on the field at, at the same time. So uh, are are we buying that that is uh, going to be, one, a thing that happens, and, and two, a thing that's going to be actually meaningful uh, once they get on the field? 
Well, from a rational coaching stance, which never really works out when you think about these things, when you're like, all right, this is the rational thing a team would do. They never do this thing. We saw it last year with the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel openly talked about being hurt in like week five last year. And he still played the second most snaps of any running back in the NFL. Uh, You know, and and while Tony Pollard was on the field last year, Dallas was averaging almost seven yards per play, which would have blown away and led the NFL if that was like, if it was like over the course of the full season. Uh, They still averaged 5.7 yards per play with him on the sideline, which was still solid as well. But, uh, you know, you look at the layout, you you, you lose Michael Gallup, you now lose James Washington, you lose Cedric Wilson. The, The pathway is here to say like, all right, all these things do make sense for him to get more time in the slot and when he was using the slot they used him a lot last year when he was out there he only ran I think a little over 40 routes but he was targeted the highest rate of any running back when he was lined up in the slot or out wide now a lot of these targets are just at the line of scrimmage there's quick hitters and then they're just they're using it again so it's not like he's running like real routes out there either and um I'll bring up a guy after this when we, we talk about this to see if you buy the same story for it would make sense for the Dallas offense to me though, to use these guys in a similar capacity that like the Packers used Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and the way like the chargers used Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon when they had him. It makes sense to me. Pollard's got more touches every year of his career and he's been excellent with those touches. Now, will it ever happen? Because we hear this particular thing right. all the time. Every offseason, yep. this guy's going to play more in the slot. Well, what does that mean? Like, even if you look at the guys that run the most routes in the NFL, at running backs like outside or out wide, we're talking like four to five per game. Yeah. Like, and it adds up to the whole the season where you're getting, you know, pushing 100, but we're talking four to five plays per game. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's the hang up here, right? Like, you can talk yourself because, like, Tony Pollard was a slot receiver at Memphis. Like, so that's, that partly like if you want to do that and like you said like he, he ran about 40 slot 40 snaps from from the slot but uh kind of as we you know talked about with uh with james cook after he was drafted and what the bills were, were saying about him like so much of that is like because teams are running empty more so like it's not like he's a slot receiver teams right. are just running empty so look this up the pollard only ran 14 routes from the slot last year when ezekiel elliott was also on the field um, so like that's, that's barely anything. So we had six targets, uh, 37 yards were, you know, in impressive enough. That's 2.64 yards per route run, which you know, is, you know, would, would be pretty good if you, you know, translate that out. Um, but every target was behind the line of scrimmage. Um, it was right. either a screen or something, you know, like an RPO run into the flat. It's not like he's not running actual routes yeah. here. Um, so like so that like that's the thing. It was only only fourteen routes last year when like they they could have used him there too. Like you you know you talked about the the Cowboys do need like help out wide receiver. Um, obviously now that you know James Wash no James Washington no no Michael Gallup. Um, so they you know Jalen Tolbert is uh, you know like going to be wide receiver too right now. A guy that I think you know we liked, but. Um, the the strength of that position group is is certainly no longer like the strength of of that roster um but it's just like we 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 talk about this like the the type of like pony personnel which is you know two running backs um and when you look at it the last year you know teams only averaged like 4.94 yards per play um with with two backs and and neither one of them being a fullback on the field and like it's it's not 
Like it's not usually in an effective way. And like we, we, we want it to be, uh, but it's just, it's hard to, to see that really, um, you know, the, the, the Colts were kind of really the only team that, that pulled it off well for like a decent amount. They averaged 8.2 yards uh, per play. And that's like when you have Naheem Hines and like, if that is what you want to like really think about, but again, like they also had no receivers. So, you know, but Naheem Hines is like, has had that role, like kind of since he's been in the NFL though. But again, like even that wasn't a lot of routes um, and, it, and it wasn't a lot of plays. He's so. the guy I was going to ask you about. Okay. Yeah. So like, because he's been getting a steady, I swear every video of the Colts tweet is, is Matt Ryan throwing a pass to Naheem Hines and all Frank Reich when he's, he's gone out of his way to bring it up. But last year they didn't even play this dude. They didn't play him at all. Like Jonathan Taylor ran more pass routes than Naheem Hines last year. So like, what are we really stocking? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly the thing, right? So he, let's see, what did, as I, I pull this up here. So uh, yeah, the Colts only had 37, um, 37 dropbacks with, uh, with two backs uh, on the field and both of them, uh, it being running backs and average negative 0.26 EPA. Uh, the league average was uh, 0.17. So like, it's, it's not, it's, it's not particularly good. Um, you know, and it's, it's hard for players to sustain that because again, like you're, you're not running these running backs on like actual routes. Um, and, and some of these guys like can, but it's just, it's not something that offenses consistently do. So like as cool as it is, like in theory, and it probably like looks really good when you're like drawing up the plays and the potential like mismatches, uh, that, that could, you know, potentially get, um, just when, when it comes into practice, it's just, it's not a thing that works uh, as well as we want it to, or as well as teams talk about it in, in training camp, right? Like we get the, we get the things about Heinz. Like we're, we're going to see this against Pollard. Like we've talked about this with Pollard, like every year, uh, like since he's been in the league, he's supposed to, you know, be in the slot and they'll get him on the field at the same time. You know, it's you know, the same thing with the Packers um, where we'll see, you know, uh, we're getting reports that they want uh, Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon on the field at, at the same time. It's just when it comes into like having it actually play out in practice, it's just uh, it's it's not something uh, we see. So uh, for right now, I'm I'm selling it until until it actually happens uh, because uh, in that case, it's just you know it, it's it's good in theory and we just we never see it play out we're always going to see these teams like rely more on three wide receivers like even if the third wide receiver like right. is, is not that good like that's just what they sense. end up doing yeah <laughs> yeah which makes sense i to me like i said when a part of the, the diatribe there is literally they just gotta i would like to see the split between how they use both backs like it's because they're gonna that's how you max out ezekiel elliott too right like you make your offense better by being able to put him in like the Melvin Gordon role or AJ Dillon type role, right? And then just and have Pollard be like this guy that you bring in and to run those plays where you're still throwing these quick hitters to the line of scrimmage and using him like an Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones. But I care more about the split than so much him just lining up as a slot receiver. Yeah, yeah. In in terms <laughs> of like how he's going to be productive and what is going to be the the best place for that offense like yeah you would probably like to see it be more like even if it's like 60 40 like even a 70 30 split uh is you know way more than we saw uh last year 
uh, like said, like uh, with Elliot, they're like openly saying he was injured, and like anyone nobody who watched, and did, yeah. and any, everyone who watched Elliot going, yeah, he's not right. Um, he had the lowest broken tackle rate like in the league last year, um, and, and you could just see it. Um, and and the Cowboys, it didn't matter. It yeah, didn't matter. So <laughs> with that, like, yeah, it's it's going to be like uh, I'm not going to believe that, and until I see it, um, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, all right, so we'll hit one more, a quick one, um, and this kind can go into you know some some fantasy stuff. So you know, Tim Patrick was going to be like that that you know the big slot guy in in the mm-hmm. the broncos offense and like that's where he was you know getting his running training camp obviously you know tore his acl so going to be out for the year so who are we potentially buying as the biggest beneficiary of of patrick being out like what what is what do we see that role going to be because like jerry judy probably wasn't going might not have been on the field in two receiver sets but now yeah. like will because he is yep. um but we're also getting reports that like Greg Dolchich um, mm-hmm. is the uh, rookie tight end is potentially like going to play more in, in that role that Patrick was going to be like that, that big slot, uh, like the, the power slot uh, shout out to uh, Nate Tice of uh, the athletic football show. Um, like, so he, he might play that role uh, a little more. Um, so uh, who, who are we buying as the biggest beneficiary in that offense? Well, I think no doubt the biggest beneficiary just has to be Judy by the default of just what you said. We had no idea if he was going to be stuck as just a pure slot receiver again, like he has been two years in the NFL. I mean, last year, he he Denver got the usual 11 personalities now, but he didn't play in two wide receiver sets. It was Tim Patrick. And there was always that question, is that going to be a thing again? Especially because they drafted Dulcich. Like, if when if this team is going to use, you know, some 12, is Judy going to be on the field? Does he get squeezed out? Uh, so just by default, I think with Tim Patrick going down, it makes Judy a full-time player. Uh, so that alone gets him like a, a little bit of a bump. Um, then the ancillary guys, I think everyone gets a little bit of squeeze here. I mean, KJ Hamler uh, definitely is a guy that fits kind of like that Tyler Lockett, like speed slot guy that where Russ likes to throw those moon balls. I mean, that's KJ Hamler's game. It was that's what it was at Penn State. He's coming off of an ACL and hip injury, two really tough injuries to come back from if you listen to the show with Matthew Betts but you know by all accounts he's getting up to speed and he's he avoided the pup list so if he can ramp up earlier in the season than expected that that gives him a nice window for playing time uh this is a guy that when he scored he's only scored I think three or four NFL touchdowns but they're long touchdowns too the ones that he scored and that's what he did at Penn State so definitely fits there um and you said it leaves the door open for the the two tight ends to play. If you're gonna if you're gonna go twelve here, they've got two really kind of good athletic tight ends. Uh, you know, you look at Dulcich. I mean, he was a guy that just that the vertical seam guy is what he was at UCLA. Fifty five percent of his targets came on throws ten plus yards downfield. Uh, that wasn't only the highest for all tight ends in this class; it was fourth among all players in this draft class. Uh, so he's a guy that can get down the scene. Albert O is is kind of a freak, man. He's one of those guys that like, you know, 265, run, he ran, ran a 4-4-4, 40. Uh, he's a touchdown machine. He was, a, he was the only like semblance of good that ever came out of Drew Locke's passing career. Uh, so like he's got that going for him. And Albert O is one of these guys that like he's he's a red zone demon. So you can he could be one of those guys that just Dulcich is like between the 20s type tight end and then like Albert O cleans up. Um, you know, you go back to Albert O, just anytime he's been able to play in the NFL, he's been productive and he's going to finally have 
full-time snaps this year. So like, he's a guy I'm definitely really interested in. Uh, it's just hard to bank on those rookie tight ends, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm excited about what Dulcich can do for the offense, but like yeah. how much, how many snaps is rookie tight end going to get? How involved is he going to be? We really don't see those guys hit the ground running at the NFL level. Trey McBride, really good player too. Like, is, you know, it's going to probably be a ramp up for these guys. So uh, I would lean towards Alberto if I'm taking a, a investing to a Denver tight end for sure. Yeah, this is like one of those. Like, it's one of the splits. Like, is this guy going to be like good at football? It like on yeah. the field, or is he like going to have enough for like fantasy the production? And I thought like that's going to be a split with Dolchich. Like, I think like that's something like we're going to see what he does and be like, oh, he's really good. Um, like they're doing some fun things with him. Uh, he's a guy who uh, led college football in yards on deep crossers last year. And like, if mm-hmm. you think of like what that type of offense is going to be, like the Nathaniel Hackett, like that type of school, like they love those those deep crossers either from like the tight ends or or the you know the the slot guy. Um, and if Dolchis is going to have that role, like that's that's something that is going to be open. That's something that you know Russell Wilson's probably going to like to throw, um, you know, a little bit. And like if they're able to you know open up that middle of the field like i know the thing is like russ doesn't throw in the middle of the field but if they have someone who can like run those deep crossers um i think like that's an option also think like the the russell wilson doesn't throw to tight ends thing is, is a little you know overdone when you look at he doesn't it throw to bad tight ends right yeah that that's kind of the thing like if you look like the past <laughs> couple of years like 2018 18 percent of his passes were were to tight ends like that wasn't a lot but in 2021 it was 21.8 percent and the the league average is kind of like around 21 percent so like he'll he'll throw to tight ends if, if they're good and if they're open uh, and i think yeah. like we'll get a lot of those stats, two of them. Yeah. yeah a lot of those stats are person like people get lost in the weeds right this is my one big hamp with people getting the weeds on coordinator stuff and it's like well, what was the personnel you know, we went through a whole thing where Kyle Shanahan tight ends are bad. Cool. We didn't have George Kittle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's certainly like one thing, like we, like, you know, you, you can look at like the schematics, but yeah, who was actually like getting the, the position. The ball like, goes to your best players. That's right. In all, in all NFL offenses, even the bad coordinators, the football still goes to the most talented players. Even if you're running a bad offense, the, the target tree, go, it goes top down. The most talented players are still getting the football. Right. Yeah. You could like, like to see, you know, some, some guys get some more targets and, and be used in, in better situations. Yes. But yeah. Like, like you're, you're, you're right. Uh, if there were, you know, good tight ends for, for some of those Seattle years, um, you know, there would have been more. Uh, and like when you're a, a tight, even if you're a good tight end, um, you know, fighting for targets with DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett, like it's, you're, it's going to be tough. Um, but I think like we will see more uh, at tight end usage, I think in Denver, because of just how, how that offense is, is going to be played out, how, who is actually going to be on the field. Um, I think we probably will see uh, some more 12 there. And, and I think it's good that like Dolce is going to be like tight end too. And I think like that helps is probably going to help him, you know, either get on the field more and like, you don't have to run all of those tight end passes through him. Uh, so the fact that you can probably put him in, in better situations because Albert O is going to, you know, take on some of those, you know, the, the bigger tight end responsibilities. I think that probably helps, you know, mm-hmm. get him uh, into, into a, group a little bit too. For McBride. Yeah. Cause I mean, you've got Zach Ertz in front. I mean, it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn position because the, what you have to do at tight end, your responsibilities at the NFL level is just so much more than these guys had to do in college. Yeah. Uh, especially a guy like Dulcich, who was basically a receiver. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it probably does help that, you know, he'll, he could play more, like more receiver here. So, um, you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, that's, that's an offense that I'm like really intrigued to see just 
Oh yeah, well, because just, the, just the logistics of how it, it plays out. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, we we're coming off of a year where where Russell Wilson did not play his best football, and he was part of the he was part of the symptom, right? Like he was a he was part of the process of why that offense wasn't good. Uh, you know, the, the, by the, the just the style of play last year, uh, not taking a lot of stuff over the middle of the field, short throws. I mean, there's a, there's so many throws he missed, just just a style of play, and I'm really curious to see how this Denver offense can break him out of that and kind of give him back on track like the, to the twilight of his career here and give us some more good, strong, rough seasons. Because everything's in place here. Schedule's in place. The team's so much better than what he had in Seattle. Right. Talent's so much better. Uh, they're one of the teams I'm most forward to look look forward to seeing play this year. Yeah, it's there's – yeah, what are the more intriguing teams? And just like it kind of – like you said, what, what version of Russell Wilson are we going to get? Because like we have seen – you know, every offense kind of turns into the Russell Wilson offense. But like last year when he was, you know, probably came back from his his injury a little too quickly and pro- that probably hurt him, you know, more than more than it helped um, the team in, in general when he came back. Um, and, and it took him like a couple of weeks to, to get back into a groove. Um, so, yeah, like I'm the, the range of outcomes, I think, in Denver is is quite high. And that, that's one of the teams. Um you know, uh, again, like we go back to, you know, we're not going to see much of that in the preseason, but when, once we get to week one, um, you know, that's going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch. So, all right. I think on that note, we're going to uh, end the show here. Like there, there's some fun things we can kind of look for and in the preseason and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see some more practice reports and, you know, before we know it, uh, these are things we're going to be looking at uh, once the season actually rolls around. So, Rich has been uh, been killing it with with uh, fantasy content. We're we're getting into like actual you here, know, baby. fantasy draft season. Uh, you know, if you're someone like Rich, you've never stopped uh, in fantasy draft season. But uh, for for the general public, uh, we're we're getting back into that. So, uh, if you're you're not going into uh, these drafts, reading uh, Rich's content, he's been uh, tiers are up. Uh, we got rankings. He's uh, been looking at, you know, ADP. We'll have a whole bunch of draft strategies uh, coming up on the site. Uh, so you can be getting all of that on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Um, I wrote about uh, year two quarterbacks uh, this week. Uh, maybe we'll be writing something else. Who knows? Um, so well, we got a, a lot of good content uh, up on the site. So you should be uh, checking that out. So you can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Zuda. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you.